We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Injuries played a huge role in shaping the week week 14 uh, narrative as well as the fantasy playoff narrative. We cover that and Dallas putting their stamp on the NFC East and more on the week 14 podcast coming up next. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. It's the uh, Week 14 Recap Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. Uh, a very busy Week 14. A lot of injuries shaping the narrative of this week, Nick. Were you able to dodge them, or did you get hit by Herbert or Stroud or Collins or Jefferson or others uh, this week? I was able to dodge them for the most part in my my season long teams. Um, you know, I have uh, I have Isaiah Pacheco on a ton of teams, as you know. If anybody listened to us on the radio or on this pod back in August, I was like the number one Isaiah Pacheco fanboy. But that also meant handcuffing him with Jarek McKinnon in just about every one of those leagues. So I was able to to kind of weather that storm. But oh, yeah, obviously we had a ton of in game injuries uh, this week, and Justin Herbert is is the one guy who killed me most. Um, yeah. You know, I, I DFS wise, I actually avoided. The Chargers. Uh, I avoided the Texans this week. I actually went with a Colt stack, uh, which we'll talk about uh, later in the pod. Yeah. That did not go overly well for me, but no, for the most part, I, I was all right. I actually had a, a surprisingly good week. You know, I, I was texting with some buddies yesterday morning. You know, talking about the Pick'em League, talking about our circa picks, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I felt pretty good the last couple of weeks. I, I really don't like the board this week. Well, we're we're four and zero in the circa contest going into tonight, nice. and uh, if the Miami Dolphins win tonight, I, I will win the week in the pick'em league. So we're, we're sitting pretty here, but you know, that, that has not been the story for all of my season long teams. I can assure you of that here. I thought I'm nine, three and one. And uh, at least the Yahoo side, side of things, I have to see if I had the same picks and staff picks, but mm-hmm. I thought I'd be crushing there, but it sounds like everybody's doing well. Yeah. I, I think you're doing pretty well there. I was looking at that this morning. Um, yeah. Just about everybody should be coming out positive. Uh, I, I mean, I, my, my big miss was was Houston. Uh, I went with them. I went with Detroit as well. And that was one that you just – you knew from like the first series when Chicago got the ball and drove right down. Like, oh, boy, this is going to go the way that a lot of people thought it would. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I thought the Lions would show a little bit more fight. I know it's Jared Goff on the road. I, I thought earlier this season he had, you know, done a lot to try to at least vanquish that narrative. But, man, Detroit defense, you know, this Lions team, it feels like when they get down now, they start pressing. You know, they're going for all these weird fourth downs early in the game, you know, way deep in their own territory. Uh, but I, I don't want to derail us too much. I think we should we should get to all the main injuries because there were a ton of them. I mean, the Jefferson one was was brutal. He ended up going to the hospital last night. I, I don't know if we're going to see Justin Herbert again this season. You know, with the Chargers taking another loss, we'll see. 
Yeah, well, let's start off with the Justins. Justin Jefferson left with uh, what was determined to be a chest injury, even though it looked like he got hit in the kidney yeah. uh, at first there. He grabbed, the way he grabbed his sight immediately there, you knew it was pretty bad, and then off to the locker room. Today, they reported that they don't think it's a serious injury, but that that what does that mean? It could mean like, okay, he's not out for the season. He's not out for his career. Uh, or it could just mean that he, you know, he's out this week. They play Saturday uh, against the Bengals on the road. So we'll see at this quick turnaround, whether he's going to be able to go, but uh, shades of Devin Achan uh, coming yeah. back, you know, two, two catches uh, and then boom. And th- those catches I think came in the second quarter. The whole first quarter was just like this horrible wash. I mean, the fact is this was a putrid game even before Jefferson's injury, you know, Hawkinson was shut out at halftime. I think Dobbs was actually shut out in the first quarter. Um, and then, you know, you lose Jefferson like this. Later on, you lose Alexander Madison to an ankle. Uh, this is just a brutal fantasy game. I mean, it was like Patriots Chargers last week, but it was played in a dome between right. two teams that don't even have good defenses. Uh, it was bizarre, man. I mean, the Vikings actually, I wouldn't say they moved the ball. They only had 231 total yards, but they they converted nine third or fourth downs. Like this, this is one of the game, one of those games where you, you expect to go to the box score and see that both teams were like two of 15 on third down. That just wasn't really the case. There were just no, there were no big plays. You know, both teams only entered the red zone one time, one time each. And the Raiders immediately fumbled as soon as they got in the red zone of course. and the Vikings missed a kick. So it's not like even being in the red zone mattered. Obviously it was the late field goal for Minnesota that won this game. I mean, was there a single person who was not rooting for this to, to go into overtime 0-0? Like the whole country, all, all eyes were on this game in the late window. Like everything else was kind of getting out of hand. Uh, you know, obviously you had Herbert knocked out of the game and that felt like it pretty much ended uh, Broncos Chargers. But I was rooting hard for Minnesota to miss that kick. I mean, we, we had a real chance at a 0-0 tie and it, it felt like if it made it to overtime, that was going to be a real possibility because it was Aiden O'Connell versus Nick Mullins at, at that point. And that's another thing we need to discuss, whether or not Josh Dobbs has truly lost the, the the grip on the starting job. And I think as of right now, he has. Yeah. Uh, and that's not, you don't want to be making starting quarterback changes in week 15, uh, but uh, based and not based on injury at the very, you know, too, on that one there. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, just whew, rough, rough finish. Tell you what, Nick, this is how my DFS week went. Mm-hmm. I, I bought into the weather narrative. I stayed away from Baltimore and the Rams. I, you know, I stayed away from the Texans. That half of that was this, that decision was good. But, you know, instead, I go, let's go to a nice, warm dome. Let's go to Minnesota and Vegas. I had Dobbs. Oh, no. I had, I had Jefferson. I had Hawkinson. And, you know, 12 seconds into the game, like, oh, I made a huge mistake. Yeah, I, you know, like I said, I, I stacked Colts uh, with a couple of lineups. I had one that did okay. I ended up, ended up cashing because I had a, a Fields, DJ Moore, Browns defense uh, you know, trio going, but yep. I was all over. Yeah. I had Minshew going in another lineup. I, I had Zach Moss just about everywhere. Jerome Ford, uh, who I, I liked a lot this week and just didn't get a ton of usage, uh, you know, just despite, you know, the, the Browns leading most of that game, uh, that Josh Downs and Alec Pierce, you know, the, the, both of those guys aren't ultra dependable. And then Pierce obviously had his boom week last week, right. uh, but we didn't really get anything uh, out of another dome game uh, between Indy and, and Cincy. But uh, yeah, this, this Minnesota game, <laughs> an all-timer. Uh, an all-timer. Minnesota's played like three of these in a row now where it's just a, a grind. And, you know, you look at some of the quarterbacks who are in the mix for for these wildcard spots, really in both conferences, but we're down to, you know, Nick Mullins, uh, you know, Drew Locke started for Seattle, 
Desmond Ritter, you know, who knows how long we'll see Derek Carr. I'm looking forward to talking about that game, even though New Orleans won in a romp. I don't think Derek Carr's job is in trouble, but there was a good thread yesterday of like Derek Carr's teammates just looking disgusted uh, by him <laughs> over the last few weeks, even though the Saints, you know, continue to hang around. And now in the AFC, I mean, we could be looking at next week, you know, you're starting quarterbacks for teams trying to make the playoffs. Joe Flacco, Mitchell Trubisky, Gardner Minshew, Davis Mills, uh, Jake Browning, and Easton Stick, if we're, if we're even counting the Chargers in that debate anymore. I mean, it's, we're it's not, brutal, man. This has way. been a narrative. It's been a narrative all season long with quarterback attrition, and it's gone from bad to worse this week. Yeah, it sure has. Uh, let's put a bow on this uh, Minnesota-Vegas game so we don't have to come back to it later. You know, leading off with our hits, you know, that, that's always good. I'm, I'm told to go with the, the big story there first. Uh, but Josh Jacobs also left with an injury late on this one here. Uh, a knee, uh, so it's something to watch for as well. Limped off the field in the fourth quarter. Uh, we'll wait to see more reports on this, but you know, they play on Thursday. Uh, they play the Chargers, so we might be seeing uh, Zamir White and uh, Amir Abdullah as your two running backs for the Raiders. Yeah, it's just poetic that that those two teams now play the play on the short week, right? Yep. I mean, Chargers, Raiders, we, we kind of knew this would be a doozy no matter what. I, although I do, I normally like seeing the Chargers on Thursday night because there's a, yeah. a chaos factor. Uh, no matter who they're playing. But I, I think, again, I, I don't know if we see Justin Herbert again this season. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, this is now, you know, injuries to both hands. This is a, a more severe one than the one that he played through yep. earlier this season. Fractured finger, you know, you kind of saw it had the hand in the pocket. Uh, looked like it was pretty heavily wrapped or, uh, or even in a brace uh, during the second half. And yeah, like we mentioned with the Raiders, I mean, Aiden O'Connell did not look great yesterday. You know, you lose Josh Jacobs. Uh, this is an offense that that is really going nowhere right now. Raiders are favored at home. Um, I, I don't know where we go in this one, assuming it is Easton Stick, but I, I think we could probably stick a fork in the Chargers for this season. The question is, is Brandon Staley, like, is the Herbert injury bailing out Brandon Staley's job? No, it's already too late. I mean, there's, there's so much that's happened here. Um, and, you know, I, I, th I at least I think, in my opinion, now the Chargers are not the type to fire in season. So I think he lasts the season. I think maybe that part is bailed out because, mm -hmm. you know, but at the because, unless there, there's like a, a coordinator they want to get a jump on here uh, or they, maybe they want to see Kellen Moore as, as the head coach. I don't know why you would at this point in time, but um, no, I don't, I, I, I think, I don't think it saves him. Uh, I, I just think there's too much on that's happened there. We already know Herbert has been declared out for Thursday night as well. So we can kind of, you know, cross that one off as well uh, because, and, and we'll see, you know, he he's might not come back. I don't even know who's behind stick by the way. I haven't, I was looking around. I can't, I can't. I was trying to find like that. That's funny. You say that. Team. I was looking that up as we speak. I, I don't, I mean, they, I assume they have somebody on the practice squad, but there's no one else on the active roster. So we'll, right. we'll find out. I mean, somebody's either getting signed or elevated. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that, and stick has been on this roster for like four or five years in his own right. And it's yeah. just never played. We've seen him in some preseason games. That's it. That's the list right now. And so he's their guy. Uh, did have a nice connection with Quentin Johnson who had his first decent yardage game, but it was like three catches still. Yeah. Uh, but this is like, this is now the Chargers' priority, by the way, it's figuring out what they have in Johnston, getting him the reps, figuring out a stick is a guy they need to keep around as the backup for the rest of the way. Uh, as we've seen this year, there's never been a year where it's illustrated so much that you need to have a decent backup, no matter what your quarterback situation is. Yeah, you do. I, I think especially these teams that, you know, need wins over the last four or five weeks of the season, uh, you know, it's easier said than done to just be like, all right, just make sure you have a great backup. But uh, like you said, the season has borne it out. I mean, you, there's probably going to be at least one game throughout the year 
where you're, you're, you're going to have to win. And if you have a backup quarterback that even if you're going up against a bad team, I mean, that, that levels the playing field. Uh, you know, certainly this is a game that I, I think with Justin Herbert uh, and obviously, you know, this, that the season hadn't just gone completely off the rails for the chargers. It's like, all right, the Raiders, you know, week 15, this is a game we should win, especially if they're starting Aiden O'Connell. Um, yep. And obviously if you're throwing Easton stick out there, that's not going to be the case. You know, stick 13 of 24 for 179. I, I thought he actually looked okay. He looked reasonable, you know, as far as like somebody who we've barely seen anything of, it doesn't really have much of a pedigree. You know, he's yet another North Dakota state quarterback, uh, yep. you know, joining, joining Trey Lance and Carson Wentz from that, that illustrious uh, pipeline out in, out in Fargo. But um, you know, a lot of those yards, like you said, came on the long throw to Quentin Johnston. That was a dime, by the way, that was one it of the was, throws of the was. season that could not have been thrown better right into the hands uh, of Quentin Johnston and stick was, I mean, once Justin Herbert went out of the game, Denver felt like they were just bringing like an all-out blitz on 75% of snaps, you know, especially yep. on, on third down, second downs and long. You know, Stick took some some hard, hard hits. You know, one of them looked like it was going to be a fumble six. They ended up reversing that. But he was yep. he was under siege, and it was it was tough to really get a gauge for for what his upside is. But I think if you're the Chargers, you're, you're just kind of playing out the string at this point. It's not going to be pretty. Yeah, I, I, right. I agree. And that game featured the the score, the almost scores. There was that fumble six. There was the Jerry Judy didn't get his feet down play. Oh. There was the Jerry Judy drop play. Brutal uh, game for Jerry Judy. Just oh. and, and look, it's a tough catch. Like I'm not saying that every receiver in the league, you know, gets their feet down, but there wasn't even an attempt. There was a a lack of spatial awareness by Jerry Judy. Like most most upper level receivers, guys that you're taking in the top twenty, they're getting a foot down there. And, and Judy. What bothered me about it is like he he just clearly didn't know where he was and didn't even attempt to do a toe drag. You know, he just caught it as if he was in the middle of the end zone and it didn't really even make an attempt to get and that went second. And celebrated out. like he had, it was like no problem too, by the way. Right. That, that was that was wild. And, and so be, I was convinced like, oh, this is, uh, it was probably the third foot. Uh, they're just, they're really being overprotective. No, right. it wasn't even close. It wasn't to even close. It. Wasn't even close. Like, come on. It's not the college rule. We know this yeah. by now, right? Um Every week he shows something that he just doesn't quite get it. And you know, it's like Steve Smith was right. Well, he what struck me is he, he tries to catch everything with his body, you know, and yeah. you, you just can't really do that. Like, especially if you're trying to make a contested catch downfield, he's kind of trying to trap everything. And, you know, when Russell Wilson's throwing you a ball that's traveling 35 to 40 yards in the air, like that, that thing is coming at you fast. Like you, you have to time it perfectly to even do that, even as a, an NFL receiver. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's really tough because I – I love Jerry Judy as a prospect, loved him at Alabama. So fun to watch. I was all in on that yeah. pick. And, you know, when, when you consider the the two receivers that went directly after him, C.D. Lamb and Justin Jefferson, I mean, this is a, you know, I, I wouldn't say, you know, a, 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 the type of pick that like changes the fortune of a franchise, but obviously we'd feel a heck of a lot different about this Denver team if they had Lamb or Jefferson. I'll tell you what, it, it changes the, uh, the the trajectory of your dynasty league when you choose, yeah. when you choose Judy over them, as <clears throat> I may have in a league. Well, um so yeah absolutely by the way as chad points out it's max dugan is the guy that's on at tcu is on the sure. uh, chargers practice squad so there you go in case okay. you want to know that anything else from chargers denver or minnesota vegas before we move on no i, I think it's good to to just kind of cross those ones off right away and uh move on to the, the other far more exciting games on the week 14 right. let's go with the, the marquee game dallas philly uh dallas put their stamp on this one early, uh, pretty darn impressive win. Uh, I, I will say one thing about this is it, it was a setup in a way, just like last week against the Niners was a bit of a setup. This is two weeks in a row where Phillies had to face a marquee opponent in, you know, in a consecutive sort of sense with less rest. Mm -hmm. Dallas played on Thursday, 
Eagles played obviously against the Niners on Sunday. The week before, you know, the Niners played on Thanksgiving and had 10 days to prepare for the Eagles. The Eagles played an overtime game. It's all kind of was shaping up as, as a pretty big setup. The Eagles are worn down right now. Uh, and just they went through this hellacious stretch. I mean, this game against Seattle that they have next week is still has some heft too. Pretty important mm-hmm. game for Seattle, that's for sure. Uh, but and it's but at least it's an extra day of rest. But it's on Monday night. It's in Seattle, uh, and then finally they can breathe on their schedule where they get the Arizona and the Giant two games against the Giants. But still, uh, nonetheless, Dallas destroyed them. It, it was a destruction by the Cowboys, and you know certainly some errors by Philadelphia. I, I think made the score look maybe a little bit more lopsided. Mm-hmm. Then it should have been, you know, and Dallas certainly deserved to win. They absolutely looked like the better team, especially, you know, third down, fourth down. They, they converted, you know, 10 of 17 attempts, uh, whereas Philly, you know, didn't even really have that many attempts, just didn't possess the ball all that long. I mean, Dallas won the time of possession 37 to 23 in this game, and it certainly felt like it watching it, but three huge turnovers for the Eagles, right? Uh, you know, you, you got the Hurts fumble, you yep. had the, the Devontae Smith fumble, you had the A.J. Brown fumble. Um, and, and those, you know, really sucked, like sapped any momentum that the Eagles had. And they were, they were moving the ball relatively well. You know, if you look at yards per play, you know, Philly 6.2, Dallas 5.3. But when one team is running 22 more plays than the other, uh, that goes a long way toward offsetting that. And like you said, it it, it kind of felt like a, an accumulation of this really difficult stretch for Philly, you know, asking them to go into Dallas. I, you know, I was actually on the side that I thought Philly could maybe cover the three and a half. You know, John luckily talked me out of it for the circuit entry. We did have Dallas. Uh, but Philly was one of the five most popular selections, plus three and a half uh, in the circuit that contest hooked. this week. Yeah, right. I, I think a lot of people thought, yeah, Dallas could win this game. Maybe, you know, maybe it's high scoring. Maybe it's 34-31. That was kind of my thinking as well. Uh, but finally, a, a home statement win for the Dallas Cowboys. Really, the only thing that went wrong was that that Dak Prescott sack fumble return for a touchdown that at the time you thought, okay, you know, Philly could get one stop here. You know, all of a sudden it's a one-score game. If they can, they can string something together and they just – they just couldn't do it. Um, you know, it yeah. was a, a game that was completely dominated by the Dallas Cowboys and, you know, yet another 20 plus point win for them at home. It was. Uh, and, you know, just and they're seven or no at home. They've been, you know, they've rolled in every game except for the Seattle game where they, they had to struggle, at least in that one there. But they still got piled on the offense. This offense, it, you know, since the basically since the Chargers game right before the bye, it was a Sunday night game before their bye. They've really gotten religion on, you know, feeding CD Lamb. You know, 10, mm-hmm. 10 targets yesterday, which is actually low compared to some other games. But again, they were playing right. with a big lead in the entire second half to the extent that Rico Dowdle had 12 carries in this game. Um, that That's your usual pretty good sign that this game is going well for you. Yeah, I mean, CD Lamb has had just an incredible run here now. You know, last eight games, he's averaging uh, nine catches for 112 yards and basically one one touchdown. He's got a, you know, a rushing touchdown sprinkled in there as well. And, you know, I think earlier this season, the narrative was, you know, man, AJ Brown is, is really, you know, gone up to another level. And I, I think if you had to pick like your, your first team all pro right now, I mean, obviously Tyreek Hill gets one of those spots. I, I think CD lamb might be the other first team all pro at receiver. Yeah. About three weeks ago, I said, I take Brown ahead of lamb and now I have to change my opinion. Um, events <laughs> I, otherwise have, dic- yeah. you know, have dictated, um, those guys are, I mean, those guys are neck and neck to me. I, I don't think you could go wrong choosing between one or the other, but I mean, certainly lamb has, has been significantly better. He's been so consistent. Like you said, they're making, they're making a concerted effort to get him involved early. Right. I mean, it's, it's not a coincidence that it feels like he gets the first touchdown for them every single week. Right. I mean, it was, it was just kind of an effortless walk-in yep. touchdown on that first drive for Dallas. And that set the tone the rest of the night. I uh, thought Tony Pollard looked pretty good. I mean, the, yeah. the numbers aren't great, but it ran pretty hard. You know, took some hard hits, kept bouncing back up, you know, decent day for Rico Dowdle. 
uh, Kivante Turpin, you know, had one, one carry for 22 yards. I believe that was on a third and short, you know, kind yeah. of a gutsy call by Dallas to, to not, you know, but clearly Philly was expecting them to just, you know, kind of run it up the middle that they, they go outside with Turpin uh, and Jake Ferguson, man. I mean, they, they talked about it like 70 times on the broadcast, but it really does feel like uh, he is on that short list of, of kind of, you know, future of the league at the position tight ends. I mean, he has been fantastic week in and week out. We've had a number of breakout tight ends this year. Uh, some a handful, of, a couple of his rookies plus Ferguson, yeah. uh, plus uh, Trey McBride. Uh, it, it's been a good year for the position, uh, and a much needed infusion of talent, right? Yeah. You know, especially when you when you start to think about all right, you know, Travis Kelsey doesn't quite look like the same guy. His best years are obviously behind him. You know, George Kittle, you always worry about from an injury perspective. Uh, but yeah, I mean, between Ferguson, between Dalton Kincaid, uh, Sam Laporta, you know, even Evan Ingram's turned it on. He's got like almost 60 fantasy points the last couple of weeks. Cole Komet uh, looks like a weapon in Chicago. Trey McBride, uh, you know, last year it felt like by the end of the season, it was like down to what, three tight ends that you right. really felt confident starting. And uh, yeah, we, we've got a really nice, you know, much needed infusion of talent. Uncle Ted asks, is, is Ferguson a top five tight end? And five is, I don't know if five is the number. Um, mm. And I say, and, and the thing is, I say that just because I think any given week, You've got a hand, you know, there, there's like eight that I really like. And yeah. that, that's a good thing that we have that sort of depth. But so if you're eight or five, it doesn't matter to me, I guess is my takeaway here. But, you know, yeah. so Kelsey, Hawkinson, Laporta, Kittle. Then there, then there's Ferguson, Ingram, Kincaid. Goddard is so, still in that discussion. I think if you're, if you're Ingram. saying, you know, if you're drafting for 2024 right now, right. I, I think you have to, you know, you have to put Mark Andrews in that conversation too. Yes, for you know, sure. And injuries continue to add up. So I think, I think Ferguson is probably he's in the conversation for five or six, right? You know, like yep. I, I would still take Laporta personally, but you know, it's like Laporta versus Ferguson is a conversation. Yeah. Uh, you know, to me, he's probably number six on that list. Uh, you know, I think by virtue of playing in this offense too, he gets a nice boost, right? It's like, yeah. Could Trey McBride be doing the same thing in Dallas? Yeah, he could, but he's, he's in a worse situation in Arizona. So I think that's, that's part of the equation. Uh, but yeah, I, I think if you're drafting for 2024, I would put him at number six on my list. Yeah. Uh, and th that's no insult by the way. I mean, no, that's still really damn good. In fact, might be, you know, gaming the system, trying to figure out, okay, where am I comfortable with the teardrop, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm not going to take Kelsey because I'm very comfortable with McBride as tight end seven. Uh, maybe that that's mm -hmm. the analysis that you have there. I mean, everybody has a different point on who where you're comfortable with. Ingram is in that discussion too. Yeah. Now that he's broken the uh, touchdown jinx in, in a big way, he's he's fine. I mean, he, he was always getting targets, but they've really increased that. And of course, the, the injury to Kirk really enhances uh, Ingram's value there too. Yeah, no question. And, and like we said, Komet's in that discussion. I mean, David Njoku, uh, you know, he had a huge week. I, I'd still, to me, he's still a tier lower and you, you worry about the quarterback play in Cleveland. Uh, but, you know, Dalton Schultz has looked good, went healthy, you know, in, in what should be, you know, an offense that continues to get better and better over the next couple of years. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of options right now. And, and that's a good thing for fantasy because this was a position of extreme frustration uh, last season. I don't have a whole lot else on, on Eagles Cowboys. I mean, it, Eagles are still if they can take care of business the rest of the way, they're still in, in pole position to win that division and, and probably get the two seed in the NFC. But this was, this was big for San Francisco. Yeah. They have that tiebreaker over Philly. If they could win out, obviously they would be the one seed in the mm -hmm. NFC. Uh, but, but really the first true, I would say statement win for the Dallas Cowboys this season, one where we can't, we can't poke a whole, uh, a lot of holes in it or, or talk about the level of competition. Yeah. Uh, 
right now, Dallas has the tiebreak over the Eagles, but they've played more divisional games. The right. Eagles get two against the Giants still, and presumably, presume they'll win those. Dallas will win against Washington, and will be five, they'll both be five and one in division, having beaten each other. I don't know how the tiebreak goes after that. That'll be the interesting. I probably conference would be my guess. Yeah. Uh, in which case, the Eagles strength of schedule. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't pretend to, to be a, an expert on the tiebreakers. We we let the math guys figure that out. Uh, Dallas, by the way, plus one eighty eight point differential is that good on the season that is very good the only team that's even in that neighborhood is san francisco at plus 175 philly plus 21 yeah well they won a, yeah and that's usually a good proxy for strength but yeah yeah, it, yeah it's it's really interesting to see that all right before we move on to the other games uh let's talk a little bit about circa get ready for your the ultimate big game parties at circa resort and casino super sunday is in las vegas this year watch the big game poolside at stadium swims big game viewing party massive scream screen booming game sound and a view of the pyrotechnic and visual effects throughout the game snag the best seat in the sun with day beds poolside boxes cabanas and more or touch down at the world's largest sports book circus sports for the big game bash three stories of football glory featuring a 78 million pixel screen book your seat with a variety of reservation options including bottle service open bar stadium style food and more don't miss these legendary viewing experiences on february 11th the big game parties only at Circa Resort and Casino. Reserve today at CircaLasVegas.com. All right, let's uh, go to the self-interested portion of the podcast and talk about our respective teams. Start off uh, with the Jaguars in Cleveland. First of all, I was shocked that Trevor Lawrence even played this game, uh, let alone through 50 passes and had three rushing attempts. I mean, we all saw the injury. I, I'm blown away that he even was able to play this game. I felt the same way, although it did start to seem like it was trending toward Lawrence playing around Thursday, Friday. You, know, you saw him running around out there at practice. And you know, to me, I think we just look back and say the injury just clearly wasn't as bad as it looked. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying like Trevor Lawrence embellished it or anything. I, I don't think he, you know, he faked not being able to walk on his leg. But, you know, to me, it's probably one of those things that, you know, looked worse, felt worse at the time. And then, you know, when he woke up on, on Tuesday morning, realized, oh, OK, you know, this maybe maybe this isn't something that's going to keep me out for multiple weeks, because it, if you watch this game, it was not a good game by any means for Trevor Lawrence, who threw three for interceptions. Anybody. You know, two of them were were deep balls where he's just kind of hucking it up there on third and long. And, you know, both of them were bad throws that were picked off. And then the other one was a bad one in the red zone, a, a miscommunication with Calvin Ridley, who looked like he ran the wrong route. Lawrence was Lawrence was animated throughout this game. You know, it, it's interesting because you don't, you don't see that very much from Lawrence. You don't see it very much from Mahomes, who obviously had a lot to say at the end of that, that KC Buffalo game. Um, but I, I think for, for Lawrence to gun it out, to to look pretty mobile, uh, you know, there were a couple times where he, he was willing to, to scramble around, took some fairly big hits, didn't appear to be favoring that ankle all that much. Uh, for him to gun it out and then, you know, in my mind, you know, kind of be let down by, by how the defense played. I mean, allowing 31 points to Joe Flacco and the Cleveland Browns, uh, you know, multiple long plays to Njoku. David Bell had a long touchdown as well, you know, kind of just untouched on, on some of these. That The defense has been really, really concerning for the Jags. With that said, I leveraged myself against Jacksonville this week. Even with Lawrence playing, I bet Cleveland minus three and a half. Uh, thank you for the two-point conversion failure by the Jags oh. to bail us out there. Went big on the Browns in the Pickham League. I, I think this is a bad matchup for the Jacksonville defense specifically. And they actually held up okay against the run. You know, held Cleveland under three yards per carry. That was a surprise. Uh, but but Flacco was, was really dicing this team up for the most part. And, and a lot of the concerns that we saw come to the surface last week against Cincinnati reared their ugly head again this week. And to me, we could talk about the defense, but 
Jacksonville's complete lack of a running game against above average defenses, that is their their biggest Achilles heel. It's been a problem all season. And mm-hmm. this is a game where you where you have, you know, you want to protect Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne carries it 14 times for 35 yards. You know, you, you have to have a running game in this situation. And predictably the Jags did not. Yeah. And I don't think anything's wrong with ETN. I mean, you saw his twisting touchdown, incredible body control on that one there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, he's been dealing with the ribs going in each week, but I, I just feel like they're, they've, they're, they're not run blocking very well. It's not like the Ernest Johnson's coming in and doing anything yeah. better. Um, it, it, I feel it's like analogous to the uh, Chargers situation where it's mm-hmm. just, they're just not run blocking very well. And granted, Cleveland is a really tough team to run against, uh, but this is back to back. You know, I, I it's I think the 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 lack of running game that and, and plus turnovers translates to the defense wearing down too and giving up mm-hmm. all those passing yards. Uh, but let's face it, in back to back weeks, three hundred plus y- uh, passing yards to Jake Browning and Joe Flacco. Um, I'll I will say I, I want. I mean, you don't have to be convinced to start Lamar anyhow. But Lamar Jackson versus uh, Jacksonville next week. I'm, you know, you got to be worried about that one there. Um, that that's the Sunday night game. Um, yeah, it, 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 he could be in line for another big game. No question, no question about it. I mean, Jacksonville gave up. You know, at one point in this game, you know, three plays that combined for over 120 yards. You know, guys just running wide open. Like I was saying earlier, they had some some really bad penalties. Uh, you know, at one point, Cleveland was lining up for a punt yes. and the Jags yep. jumped off sides, you know, just, just instead handing them a fourth and short, which they converted, uh, you know, the injuries again, continue to pile up. I think if you watch this game, as I unfortunately did, they missed Christian Kirk so badly. Uh, it was, it was not a, a banner day for Parker Washington who had a huge fumble uh, just after halftime, you know, Jags getting the ball, looking to build some momentum, fumbled like basically immediately gave the Browns uh, the ball deep in, in Jags territory. They converted that uh, into a score and, uh, you know, our, our guy, John Shipley, who's joined us on the show before, had a great stat. Trevor Lawrence, when targeting Zay Jones and Calvin Ridley yesterday, 9 of 27 for 82 yards and three picks. Oh. 9 of 27 targeting who should be your top two targets in a game like this. It was a brutal day for Zay Jones. He, he just it looks like he's trying to draw a penalty instead of actually catch the ball on every play. Uh, you know, Jags tacked on a, a lot of yardage, you know, a lot of first downs late in this game, but it was it was pretty ugly early on for Jacksonville and even Cleveland. I mean, the Browns were four of 18 on third down and still managed 31 points in this game. That, that says a lot. I mean, situational football, you know, the, the Browns won pretty much all of those battles. It, it was, it was ugly. It was ugly all around. And, you know, the, the only saving grace for Jacksonville is, is both Houston and Indy lost. So no harm, no foul for the division, but right. with Baltimore coming up this week, I mean, it's going to get dicey. It absolutely is. Uh, and honestly, I mean, I, yeah, I want I needed Jacksonville to beat Cleveland so we could have seven teams that would be at seven and six in the AFC, yeah, right. not just six the way it is. The, the AFC is just nuts. Every game, every game has playoff heft, um, except for Chargers Raiders on Thursday night, of course. So that's the one game we get in prime time. <laughs> you want a game that doesn't matter? Here you go. Uh, here it is in prime time. But um, yeah, it, I, it's it's frustrating to watch the way this team it was playing so well for such a long time. And then turn around and look like this. Now Cleveland has a tendency to do that, especially in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So we'll see about that. Yeah. Again, I, I didn't feel good about this one going in, even with Lawrence playing a, a bad matchup for the Jags. You know, I, I think the Browns, the Browns defense is exactly the type of defense that gives Jacksonville's offensive line specifically trouble. And and that's exactly what happened. I mean, Lawrence took four sacks as well, uh, fifty dropbacks. I mean, just a, a weird game overall, too. I mean, this one, you know, w- was going on for like forty five minutes after the rest of the early window right. had closed. I mean, there were. 34 total drives 
34 drives. Each Crazy. team possessed the ball 17 times. I mean, you don't really see that very often in the NFL. But, um, yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot else to say here. I'm just going to get myself in trouble if I if I keep talking about the Jags. Let's go yeah. to your team. Yeah, I, I, I will say one other thing. 34 drives happens when you have seven turnovers, I guess, too, uh, yeah. as a combined thing. It's That's a, the thing. It, if, you, if the Jags just don't turn it over four times, if they turn it over twice, maybe even three times, they probably find a way to, to, to steal this game, but that's that's who they are right now. So, I don't know. I'm done. I'm done. All right. Moving on. Cincinnati beats the Colts. Uh, that, to me, that this was a thoroughly satisfying win. Um, yeah. Not It's just there, – there, there was a hiccup there. There was a, a literally like five real-time minutes where he went from 14-0 to 14-14 on just like these mm-hmm. – you know, maybe it's like – 10 minutes when you count the, the Colts first drive where Trey Hendrickson extends a drive with a late hit uh, on Gardner Minshew Colts get the score. Of course, missed the extra point because Matt Gay, Matt Gay just had a terrible day for the Colts. And then they had the pick six, which was, it was a bad throw. It wasn't a clean pick, but it was so bad. It, it was a fluke tip to the defender and he made a nice play and re- return it for the touchdown. And you're like, ah, come on. Era good feelings that Jake Browning is over, but then no, right after the half, Long drive by the Bengals, get that touchdown, immediate turnaround and get another score. It's like, oh, this is fun. And it got to the point where the Colts bench Minshew and, and Zach Moss in the last drive because they just there's no way of coming back. That, that's nice. Bengals don't get wins like that this year. No, this one for a while looked like it was going to turn into the back and forth, you know, wacky weekly Indianapolis Colts game that we thought yep. we were going to get, right? I mean, 14 right. nothing Cincinnati, you're cruising. And like you said, within like seven minutes of real time, you know, the Colts rip off a long touchdown drive, two plays later, they get the pick six and then the Bengals go, you know, go four and out and punt before the half. So, you know, Indy at that point has all the momentum, but Cincinnati grabs it right back. You know, they get the ball first out of half, march down 75 yard touchdown drive, force a punt, put up another touchdown. And then at that point you kind of sensed that it was over. Uh, you know, at one point it looked like Jake Browning was hurt. Turns out it was just a some sort of cramp in, in his arm or hand, which is a, a pretty rare injury. We saw a brief glimpse of A.J. McCarron, who completed one pass for negative yardage. Yeah, uh, Joe Mixon got him going again, 21 for 79. Uh, was very close to having two touchdowns, only ended up with one. Uh, but Chase Brown looked good as well. I mean, 54-yard touchdown, uh, really impressive catch and run by him. Well blocked by Cincinnati, but a uh, really nice job by, by Chase Brown to evade some defenders. Uh, you know, there's made a late cut on that where he, like, didn't lose any speed. You know, normally you, you got to yeah. slow up to change direction. I mean, that was a, an impressive catch and run by him, three for 80 through the air. He was actually their leading receiver. T Higgins, two for 72. Uh, one of those being a 46 yarder, very quiet day for Jamar chase. You know, I think if you had told me, all right, Jamar chase is going to go three for 29 in this game. I would not say, Oh yeah, the Bengals probably won 34 to 14. I can tell you that the Colts watched the Monday night game against the Jaguars because yes. chase did not see single coverage at all. And in fact, the chase Brown touchdown, Jamar chase went in motion on that play. And the whole defense flowed over that direction. And that's why it was so well blocked and so wide open. They only had to block a couple of people. In fact, they had two offensive linemen running the whole field there with nobody to block. It was, it was so such an effective scheme. Uh, but I am so excited about Chase Brown because it's just pure speed. Yeah. Uh, it is fun to watch. He had the hamstring problem earlier this season. They finally unleashed him against Jacksonville last week. Uh, and you saw him a little bit more this week. It's a, Joe Mixon's still the man. It's still a three down type of back, but, they, they showed a level of trust now in Chase Brown, and th- that's exciting to see. Well, it, it's huge for right now for the rest of this season because, mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden Cincinnati has a real chance at a wild card spot. I think, you know, that, that loss by Pittsburgh on Thursday was massive. Obviously, the Colts, you know, losing straight up there, that's huge. And then and then Houston losing and potentially, you know, being without C.J. Stroud, who's yes. in concussion protocol. I mean, took 
it, it just you know one of those hits you hate to see where that you know back of the head just slamming on yeah. the turf at MetLife. So you know hopefully he's good to go this coming week. But that is far from a guarantee. And if we see Davis Mills, I think Houston's going to have a tough time beating just about everybody. But you know not only is, is it great to see Chase Brown emerging now. You also might have your back of the future, right? I mean, you're kind of going year to year right now with Joe Mixon. Sure. You didn't even know if That's he'd right. be on the roster this year, but having that succession plan, having a young back on the cheap, where you feel pretty comfortable plugging in, I think that's pretty big when you start to look ahead to 2024 and beyond when you get Joe Burrow back. Cincinnati, the rest of the way, they're home for the Vikings. They're at the Steelers, at the Chiefs, home for the Browns. You, you got not two an easy very, team. Yeah. Not, not easy by any means, um, but you got two very winnable games ahead of you. You know, we'll see where the Chiefs are at on that New Year's Eve game. It really feels like it might, it might come down to, to Cleveland in week 18. And, you know, there could be a wild card spot on the line. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 crazy. And the, the, the good thing about the Bengals challenging schedule is almost every game is a double win if they win. They yep. knocked the Colts down a peg while moving themselves up this past week. Uh, they get to do the same thing uh, against the Steelers. They'll get to do the same thing against the Chiefs. All the Chiefs are going to have the division. Uh, although that's that's getting tighter now. Uh, but, uh, and then the Browns obviously head to head as well. The Steelers head to head. Yeah. The, the Steelers losing on Thursday night really set the tone for the week. Um, again, wow. Just what a, what a nightmarish homestand there for the Steelers lose to Arizona yeah. and new England at home and just desultory fashion. No, you're right. It, it does. It, it's a lazy narrative that if you probably went back and checked has like no factual, uh, you know, history, but it does feel like sometimes when you get a, a really weird Thursday game, you're just like, oh man, there, the, we just know this is going to be a wild week. And yep. boy, did that ring true. You know, we, we you mentioned uh, the kicking issues with Matt Gay. Like this was one of those weeks where there was, there was just bad kicking all over the place. Uh, those, those tend to come in bunches as well. Uh, you know, obviously you know, a lot of people were on Detroit this week. They get shellacked by the bears. You know, Houston loses as a, as a three and a half point uh, road favorite, it, it, you know, 30 to six to the jets. Uh, you know, that Ravens Rams game goes to overtime. We get a weird three, nothing game. Uh, obviously, you know, crazy events going on in Bill's Chiefs as well. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think in, in a lot of ways, you look back at, at Patriot Steelers on Thursday and you're like, yeah, that, that actually makes a lot of sense how that game went. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, now looking at yeah, So, yeah, it, you know, Bengals now, like you said, host the Thursday. I mean, the Saturday game against the Vikings. I'm going to be on a plane for that, that that game, unfortunately, flying to Wichita to see my family. So okay. I chose poorly in scheduling. I did not even look at the NFL schedule. I didn't think it was until the following week that we'd have Saturday games. But sure enough, three of them all on NFL Network, too. So there's no chance of that being on like a like direct TV or anything like that on my in, in my flight. I'm sure I think I'm pretty much hosed on that one there. But uh, Pittsburgh Indy, that's is the next game on that slate and Denver, Detroit. So. You've got four of those six, seven, and six teams playing on Saturday. I mean, it's a it's a huge day in terms of shaping the playoff narrative. By the end of Saturday, you're you're either going to feel much better or much worse about the Bengals' chances because if they win in the noon window, you know one of the, the Steelers or the Colts is losing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's going to be good no matter what. And then if the Lions can beat the Broncos, I mean, the Bengals will be in pole position at that point. So, uh, yeah, I, I wish you the best of luck. Uh, trying to find a stream. If you could just get internet access, hit me up. I, I got some links I can send you. All right. Uh, to be able to watch that game. But yeah, I mean, Cincinnati, four point favorites at home. And to me, that seems about right, especially based on the fact that the Vikings will likely be on their third quarterback. Yeah, that, that, that's actually a really good point. Uh, on the Colts side of things, Zach Moss couldn't get going. This was the Bengals somehow have decided, figured out how to stop the run uh, after being just utterly pliable for the like the last few weeks the last two weeks they've been good against the run zach moss 13 of 28 
they could not get him going. He had one good run for 12 yeah. yards. He had a touchdown called back. Um, that 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 was a fantasy shaping day at the very least. In fact, that was a big that was a huge play for the Colts because that's where they had a strip fumble after that yep. too. So that was a or actually it was, it was officially an interception. Uh, but it's just that that completely changed the, a lot of that game. Yeah, and I, I thought this would be a great spot for Zach Moss. Like I said, I threw him out there in a bunch of DFS lineups. I I was banking on the the recent history of this Bengals defense, which suggests that they are not a good run defense. But now two games in a row, you know, they held Jacksonville to 71 yards. That was a game where the Jags mm-hmm. you know, ended up throwing in a bunch in the second half just to try to stay with the Bengals offense. Uh, and now 46 to the Colts. I mean, prior to that, 150-plus rushing yards to Pittsburgh, almost 160 to Baltimore, 188 to the Houston Texans, who can't run on every on anybody. And even earlier in the year, you know, they gave up a bunch of rushing yards and that loss to Tennessee. They gave up a bunch to, to Arizona in week five. I mean, you look at week one against Cleveland, they ran for over 200. So mm-hmm. the, the majority of the sample would imply that this is still not a good run defense for Cincinnati, but, uh, you know, trending in the right direction now in two straight weeks. And I, I think they should, they should be able to have pretty similar success these next couple of weeks against Minnesota and Pittsburgh. Yeah, they should. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, that, that, that'll be, uh, Definitely um, something to watch for a little bit there to see if that that's like because Pittsburgh ran like ran wild against the Bengals three weeks ago. Right. That's the funny thing, too. So we'll see if they've fixed it by then. But in two weeks from now, but uh, more, it'll, it'll be interesting uh, before we move on to the rest of the slate. Let's take care of uh, our next fine sponsor. We have a new sponsor from odds are. Are you ready to revolutionize your sports betting approach? Begin with a two week free trial at odds We're cutting edge. AI technology sharpens your edge in the betting game. Benefit from our proven two-year track record, boasting a 60% accuracy rate and an impressive 10% ROI. The odds are AI meticulously sifts through extensive data to reveal high-value green value plays, guiding you towards smarter betting decisions. And it's not just about the numbers. The odds are app is exceptionally user-friendly, crafted to be your go-to betting advisor right at your fingertips. Jumpstart your journey to betting smarter and more successfully. Simply visit the iOS or Google Play Store, download the Odds Are app, and step into a world of confident betting. Your path to a more strategic betting experience starts with our two-week free trial. Download today, where smart tech, smart strategy triumphs over luck. Thanks to Odds Are for joining the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, let's move on. Um, in the morning slate, the early slate, morning for me, uh, the the first slate, uh, we had a big game in the NFC South, Tampa Bay versus Atlanta, a back-and-forth battle, uh, ultimately won by the Bucks. Yeah, a, a real slobber knocker. Yet another in the NFC South where we, we now have three teams sitting at six and seven. Tampa Bay currently leading the division by virtue of tiebreakers. But as we expected, this is one that will likely come down to week 18. So you got Tampa, Atlanta, New Orleans all at six and seven. You got Carolina at one and 12. They are officially mathematically eliminated I, I did not see this necessarily turning into a shootout right we went way over the total uh 29 25 in favor of tampa but with that said this still played out exactly like you would expect a a falcons bucks game too right we, we had a safety we had desmond ritter throwing a terrible interception uh you had really bad plays on, on both ends uh and then a a really nice drive by tampa bay uh at the end of the game to to put up a touchdown with about 30 seconds remaining a 12 play 75 yard drive that they completed in under three minutes, Rashad White, the ascent continues 25 yeah. for 102 for him. Uh, had a nice day through the air as well, two for 33 and a touchdown. Uh, you know, bizarre game passing, right? Tampa Bay puts up 29 points 
Baker Mayfield completes fewer than half of his passes for 144 yards. Still did have the two touchdowns, one to White, one to Kate Otten. Desmond Ritter throws for 347 yards. I mean, this was a day where even without Vita Vea in the lineup for Tampa, Atlanta could not run the ball. I mean, they, they couldn't do what they wanted to do. 26 carries as a team for 96 yards. I mean, that's uh, under four yards per carry. Bijan Robinson did get in the end zone. Desmond Ritter ran one in as well. Uh, but, you know, Bijan 10 for 34 on the ground. Not what you're looking for there. Did go five for 54 through the air. That was nice. Uh, but that ended up being a huge day for Drake London. 10 of 11 targets caught for 172 yards. And the unthinkable happened, Jeff. We, we had a touchdown from Kyle Pitts and a long touchdown at that. Beautiful. Yeah, it was a great route, too. Uh, really, uh, it it was awesome and yet so frustrating because you just know, like, why don't we do this more? It's it's like watching DK Metcalf go off against the Cowboys. You're just like, why don't we see this every week? You know, because clearly he's a freak. He's awesome. He's amazing. Let's let's use this more often. Um, other takeaways from this game. Uh, six balls were put on the ground. None were lost. It was just a weird fumble luck sort of type of game. Desmond Ritter had two fumbles. He recovered one of them. His teammates got a, another one of them there. But, you know, this could have been a – this was kind of a what might have been sort of type of game. Uh, Mike Evans, despite all this offense, Mike Evans went one for eight on six targets. I mean, huge if you're trying to get yeah. into the playoffs and he comes up – you know, the one game he comes up small after being amazing all season. Came very close to pulling down a touchdown in the back corner of the end zone. Just couldn't yep. quite get that second foot down. So he nearly bailed you out there. But yeah, after a season of really nothing but consistency in what's been a, a very inconsistent offense uh, by Mike Evans, you know, big letdown there, you know, in the final week where you're making a playoff push in a lot of fantasy leagues. Uh, you know, the, the interception, the, the lone turnover in this game, which like you said, it felt like this game had more turnovers than it did. Yep. The lone interception was just pure, pure Desmond Ritter comedy, you know, like throw, throwing a kind of quick screen out to a receiver oh, that was jumped so and picked by Carlton Davis. I mean, it, Ritter didn't even look. It, it's one of those where you obviously don't expect a cornerback to blitz it the way he did, but really nice play by Davis. That set Tampa Bay up inside the Atlanta 10-yard line. They cashed that in two plays later uh, to go up 10-3. I, I still really felt like, you know, Atlanta Atlanta controlled this game for the most part. I mean, they, they put up a, a touchdown with just under – uh, three and a half remaining that felt like, all right, you know, got the two point conversion. You're up three. It's going to be a challenge for Tampa Bay to go the length of the field. They really hadn't been moving the ball, especially through the air. And and they found a way. And really it was Rashad White, you know, ripping off a ton of big plays and a big penalty on that last drive as well. Uh, but this is this is just what the NFC South is, right? These teams, Tampa, Atlanta, New Orleans. I feel like the fans of all three of these teams probably despise their coaches. They despise their rosters. They despise their quarterbacks. And I, I really have no idea who, who's going to win it. Like it, it, there's no way to predict like it, neither of these teams, like none of them even feel like they're trending up or down They're They're all just kind of neutral week to week. And the worst part is they're going to get a home game in the playoffs. The, the yeah. winner of this team and like either Philly or Dallas is going to have to go to Atlanta or Tampa or although Dallas Tampa last year was a fun playoff game. So well, that was knows, Tom but, Brady Tampa, but yeah, yeah, I agree. You're right. I mean, you want that five seed and it's going to be Philly or Dallas, like you said. So yeah. that's, you know, it, it's not a buy, but it, it, it almost, it, it feels like you're lucking out there because you're guaranteed to, you know, be probably at least a touchdown favorite over any of those teams, even on the road, Tampa rest of the way, big game at green Bay next week for both mm -hmm. of those teams. Uh, they are then home for the Jags, home for the Saints. Uh, they do have the benefit of getting Carolina again in Week 18. So that's that's something to look forward to if you're Tampa. You know, obviously at that point, Carolina will have. I mean, they don't have their pick, so it's not like they're they're going to be tanking that game. But right. I, I still think that's a best case matchup in Week 18 for a game that will almost certainly have huge implications. Absolutely. Let's let's blow through that Carolina New Orleans game real quick too. While we're in it. that game, I saw less of than any other game this week. Good. Uh, well, I had. 
I had Bengals going on one TV. Um, and because it wasn't locally broadcasted, I had, that was where my, I, I always got to have big screen with the volume yep. on that. So instead of red zone channel, I had like the NFL networks version of it going on the other TV, which was okay. It was still a lot of live look-ins or after the fact look-ins. It wasn't quite red zone, but it was close. And then every once in a while, like I'd switch over to the, because I had two other games being locally broadcasted, uh, your Jags, uh, in Cleveland, as well as Rams and, uh, Baltimore. And that's a hell of a game. We'll get cool. to that. But point is. Very infrequently, they they go to the New Orleans Carolina game, and I was just like, okay, fine. Uh, I'll catch this is when I'll do the NFL plus thing. And anyhow, I'm going to do that. It's just I haven't even dragged myself to do the rewatch on this one. This was classic Carolina. I mean, this is what they do every week. I, I feel like I say the same thing on this podcast every Monday about the Carolina Panthers. They're boring, they have no threat to, to hit big plays whatsoever. They had you know, one, one long running play by, by Miles Sanders in one like somewhat long passing play to Adam Thielen. That was it. They just don't generate chunk plays whatsoever. They ran the ball for over 200 yards on the New Orleans Saints and scored six points. I mean, that, that kind of sums up who the Panthers are right now. This was not a – it was not a, a pretty game. It was not a clean game for the Saints. Uh, the Panthers are just that bad. You know, there's more Derek Carr getting barked at by his offensive line uh, after some questionable plays in this one. I still think this is a team that does not really – doesn't really believe in its quarterback. And you know, I think we could quibble about whether Derek Carr is, is better on balance than Jameis Winston. I would rather see Jameis at this point. I think when you're not playing Carolina, you need the variance, both positive and negative, that, that Jameis Winston brings because Derek Carr is just not really that guy. Uh, weird game stat-wise, too. You know, New Orleans puts up 28 points in a great matchup. Talk about Mike Evans letting fantasy managers down. I mean, Alvin Kamara got his touchdown. He got 56 yards on the ground. Three catches for negative 11 yards. Yeah. through the air this was this was what should have been a really good spot you would think for Alvin Kamara and again got the touchdown it wasn't a total disaster but uh yeah the, the final score did not lead to the fantasy production that you would think for New Orleans yeah the block punt TD doesn't help us and yeah you, know, you know unless you had the Saints defense then you're loving defense and special teams then you're loving it but I mean the two quarterbacks combined for less than two like less than 260 passing yards 137 for Young and 119 for Carr on 26 attempts that that's even that's below his usual output for his checkdowns. Uh, he had one long play to AT Perry for 44 yards, and then the next longest one was like 15 yards. It was just that sort of day. The Saints did go three or four in the red zone. We got to give them that. Uh, yeah, they've, been a, a, they've been a terrible red zone team. Carr feels like throws a pick every time he's down there. Uh, you know, very nearly threw another one, but uh, you know, had, had a, a really nice catch. I believe it was Jimmy Graham who brought that down with like four defenders around yeah. him not not really a throw that i thought Carr should have made but it worked out for him uh you know saw some more of lynn bowden stepping in as well just somebody to keep an eye on in deeper leagues you know not probably don't have to be too concerned with him in most standard formats but if you lost somebody this week uh somebody to keep an eye on uh four for 24 you know, kind of a gadgety mm -hmm. guy played played some quarterback played some receiver at the college level chris olave you know was not 100 percent by any means still went four for 28 got a touchdown as well on a short pass in the red zone uh but yeah i mean like you said the saints piled up almost no yardage, you know, to, to win a game by three scores that you have 207 total yards. It takes a fluky play like a block punt, uh, which they got. And this is yet another play where like you, you feel bad for the punter just took a massive hit oh. uh, on that one. And, you know, especially coming off of what happened to the Titans punter last week, you know, Bryce young, not impressive 13 of 36 for 137. Uh, Saints secondary was, was kind of sitting on him all day. Did, did have a couple scrambles though, you know, showed off the legs, you know, ran away from some defenders three for 40 on the ground, but, 
Um, no real change there in his evaluation. And, and Carolina is just such a sinking ship at this point. They just they just got to turn the page to next season. Yeah. Um, so funny. A team that won 28 to 6, I'm questioning their offense. Uh, but they get a home game against the Giants next week. So it still is a pretty good setup for them yeah. uh, that they can they can win ugly if need be. Uh, and they need be. I mean, with no Thomas, no Michael Thomas, no Rashid Shahid, and no uh, Taysom Hill. And that probably mattered. And I think taking away Taysom Hill actually just changes their offense a lot. Oh, no question. No question about it. Um, I, I, th- I mean, they, we can, we can, uh, you know, discuss how, uh, you know, how unfair it may be in, in fantasy at times, but I think not having him is huge and you could get away with it certainly against Carolina, but I mean, that's, that's about as big of a, a chess piece they could miss other than Alvin Kamara. Uh, the last thing I'll say on this is that for like the 10th time this season, it felt like the, the game ended the same way for Carolina with them just like desperately trying to convert yeah. fourth down and longs and <laughs> their final three drives ended in that fashion going out on downs they had missed a field goal uh which had they made that things would have been somewhat interesting i mean new orleans didn't really pull away until two late touchdowns uh, it was really a one score game for for like three quarters but uh yeah just not not a lot to say at carolina they're 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 just in a brutal spot absolutely all right uh a team that's a, you know in a rough spot surprisingly is the kansas city chiefs cool. uh they got uh, uh you know you know Obviously, they got the loss again, uh, home against the Bills. And the noteworthy thing is the Kadarius Tony offside play. Uh, and all the 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 Mahomes reaction to it has been such a big storyline. The press conference complaining afterwards, the NFL uh, pushing back and saying, I mean, so clearly offside that we couldn't see the ball. What was your reaction to all that mess? I mean, first and foremost, one of the coolest plays you'll ever see. Like- yeah. I mean, that's, I, I think that was almost more upsetting to Mahomes is that like, man, we pulled this off. Like this would have been a legendary play, which by the way, there still was like a minute and a half left. Like who knows if, if Buffalo is able to do anything, but I mean, what an insane play for Kelsey. I, I think it was designed, right? I, have they confirmed? Like I assume that was a designed play, uh, but yeah. for Kelsey to, to make the catch, shed a couple of tackles and then make a perfect throw, you know, perfect lateral across the field to Kadarius Tony. I, I think, I, I think it was, you know, that specific play that clearly Kansas city had saved for that situation to have that one pulled off the board. I think is what sent Patrick Mahomes over the edge. Sure. I, I don't really want to engage in that discourse. Like I still love Mahomes. I, I think for as great as he's been, he seems like about as normal and humble of a guy as it gets. And I, I, I hope we don't do this, like, you know, this kind of star turn, uh, you know, that, that usually happens with these teams that are like dynasties, borderline dynasties, where they inevitably become hated at some point. Like the chiefs to me are still really likable. Mahomes is really likable. I, I don't think this is something that's going to stick with him, but you know, I, Mahomes directing his vitriol at the referees. I don't really get it. You know, it's, I guess it's better than him calling out Kadarius Tony. But what's the argument that Tony was not offsides? Like he was very, very clearly offside. You can you can look yeah. at it from whatever angle you want. You know, I know there was some talk about well, you know, Von Miller was also offside. I saw, I think it was Mitchell Schwartz, you know, the ex Kansas City Chiefs lineman, did a breakdown on that, and and he was not offside either. You know, he, he moved a little bit, but he moved, you know, kind of from a, a two point stance down closer to a three point stance. He didn't move forward. And if you really want to get into the details, Juwan Taylor also jumped offside on that play for KC. And the other thing was, if you, if you watched it live, they threw that flag immediately. It's not like they waited yep. to see the result of the play and then right, said, right, oh, right. yeah, it's coming back. I mean, that flag was out regardless of what was happening. Yeah. And that that's that's a key point. I agree. Um, and I know there's like talk. Well, they didn't warn us. They usually warn us. Well, don't line up offside. You don't, you know. I didn't warn you that you're about to commit a holding penalty. I didn't warn you that you're about to commit pass interference. Yeah, no, it just just don't line up offside. Just, just, and it, it, of course, it's Kadarius Tony that did it too. 
Uh, yeah, man. I mean, it's if the Chiefs weren't in such dire straits, you wonder if this is just like, a, hey, man, you've made too many mistakes. We, we got to move on from you. But they they weirdly need Kadarius Tony because you know, who's who's the next option if you if you part ways with him, right? I mean, they they kind of need to just see it through with this this core of receivers that they put together, which continue mm-hmm. to kill them. I mean, Tony had a bad drop earlier in the game. You know, didn't really feel like it impacted the the, the final result at the time. Uh, but those things add up, and and obviously they've added up for Kansas City on the season. That penalty also bailed out some of the worst clock management I've ever seen by the Buffalo Bills, who I thought got a, a very generous call to extend a drive just before the two uh, the two minute warning. And I believe they had a, a first down and ten with about two twelve on the clock, and mm-hmm. somehow managed to run off fifteen seconds and not force the Kansas City Chiefs to use either of their two remaining timeouts. Amazing. Just utterly amazing. Um, and the thing is, like, I, 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 I think that that's. I've been thinking like the Bills have been playing pretty well lately. I mean, I really liked how well they played against the Eagles before their bye. Um, that the, there is just, I, I thought they'd be smarter about things. I like that they've gotten James Cook involved, uh, but this is a w- different team right now too. I mean, tough, tough team to evaluate. Tough game to evaluate. Yeah, it really is. I, I, I actually thought Buffalo would show up and you know, I, I didn't think they would win this game in the way that like Dallas beat Philly, but I, I thought this could be a spot where, look, Kansas City's problems at receiver are very, very real. This is a mm-hmm. mistake-prone team, a drop-prone team. And you know, I thought if Buffalo could hold them to 17, I, I thought the Bills would easily you know, score in the mid to high 20s in this game. And it looked like they were on their way to doing that. I mean, 14 yeah. nothing, <clears throat> excuse me, early on. And then Josh Allen throws a very Josh Allen pick. And it, it felt like from there, yeah. I, I, wouldn't th- I wouldn't say things spiraled, for Buffalo, but they were not playing with that same level of confidence. You know, we saw Josh Allen miss some wide open receivers, you know, missing Gabe Davis on, on said drive, the field goal drive late in the game. Uh, yep. You know, Tony Romo pointed it out right away. You know, Allen just completely missed him running wide open. And you could see mid place, Stephon Diggs is pointing to Gabe Davis saying, throw it to him. He's wide open. <laughs> and Allen, Allen looks him off and I believe through an incompletion. Uh, so Allen was like, this, again, something changed after that pick. I, I think the, the confidence was a little bit rattled and, you know, what really bothered me about Buffalo not running clock late in the game, like I get it, the chances of you, you know, running in an obvious situation and picking up the, the first down, they're not great. One, you got to force Kansas City to at least burn the timeouts. You got the two minute warning, but you, know, you can't give them the ball back with two timeouts. They were also gashing Kansas City on the ground. James Cook had a great day at the time, uh, you know, with, with 212 left, he was averaging 6.8 yards per attempt. And for whatever reason, Buffalo just just got really pass happy. You know, they would get the ball, throw on first down, throw on second down, then you got to throw it on third down. And I, I just thought it was a really strange game plan for a team that was running the ball so effectively. That's how you got the lead in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was a weird. And the funny thing is, this time the Bills won despite Allen having a bad day. In the past, Allen's had good days and they've lost. Like, or you know, there. I think they've had four drives where he put them ahead at, under two minutes and they still lost games. So yeah. Um, this time it was the opposite where he didn't come through and they held on. Uh, but yeah, the pass catchers all had, you know, absent James cook all had really disappointing days. Gabe Davis got shut out two targets on the day. Uh, Stefan Diggs four for 24, 11 targets. They just couldn't connect. Dawson Knox came back to mix up the jumble up the Dalton Kincaid love that we've been having. Mm. Um, and, and in fact, Knox was their second leading receiver at three for 36, at least in terms of yardage. Uh, Kincaid just, 21 yards on his five catches just a really bad offensive day for the pass game yeah really really bad on, on both sides I didn't think it was a well-played game whatsoever and uh yet again you know another game where Kansas City 
gets the ball back, has a chance to win it, and mm -hmm. can't do it. And look, obviously the Canaries Tony penalty is the primary reason for that, but you know, it's also the Chiefs having to resort to basically a trick play in that scenario, right? Yes, and that's, you know, right. that's not what you're used to from the Chiefs. And you know, ironically, it's not like they needed to throw that lateral. It's like that's a play that I think you break out with like 20 seconds left. It's like Kelsey could just go down um and, and you're still in, in really good position with plenty of time to score a touchdown there. Um, but you know, it, again, it hammers home the point that Kansas City time and time again this season has been in those classic Mahomes late game. He always gets it done situations. And even when it was what fourth and 12, I think after the penalty, uh, you know, you're thinking, I don't know, Kansas city, they, if any team has a chance to convert this, it would be them. And, you know, Mahomes just kind of has to whip one over the middle to, to a double covered Travis Kelsey that, that ends up hitting the dirt. So it's, it's still jarring to me, you know, even though we've seen it so many times this year to see Kansas city, not really have answers in these late game situations, penalties aside. Yeah, it's it's really eye opening this year to see that happening. I hope it's still happening on uh, New Year's Eve, but uh, we'll see about that. No, no guarantees as far as that goes. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the San Francisco and Seattle game and close out the afternoon slate. Uh, this, you know, San Francisco got the jump early. That huge McCaffrey run, seventy-two yard run. You take him out for one place. So of course, George, Jordan Mason vultures a touchdown there. Uh, and you thought, okay. Niners are just going to roll and put up whatever number they want today. It didn't really end up that way. In fact, they're only up 14, 10 at the half. Uh, they, they, they eventually got their cover, but it, it was like kind of a little odd game. Uh, it, it was an interception. There was, I think, you know, they, they still took care of business. Debo still a matchup nightmare, uh, but it wasn't a perfect game for the Niners, nor should it have been expected after playing the Eagles a week before. Yeah, we, we got bailed out in Circa. We took the Niners in this one thinking it would be, you know, one of those name your score games for San Francisco. And at the time, we also didn't know that Geno Smith wasn't playing. So we're like, all right, man, it's Drew Locke. Like, we are going to be golden here. And this was much more of a sweat than it should have been. Uh, yeah. You know, the number was, I think, 10 and a half or 11 in Circa. Obviously, they, they win this one by a hair uh, or cover by a hair, uh, winning it by 12. You know, Drew Locke, I, I think this was a, a pretty much exactly what you'd expect game from him, right? Two yep. touchdowns. Two picks. You know, he is he's in that Jameis Winston type of category, that Gardner Minshew type of category. But, you know, also somebody who could generate big plays. I mean, five different Seattle pass catchers had receptions of at least 25 yards in this game. Lockett, Metcalf, Fant, even Kenneth Walker, Colby Parkinson, you know, had a long touchdown as well. So, you know, some letdowns on the defensive side for San Francisco. Um, and like you said, after that, that first, you know, 72-yard play by McCaffrey, they punched that in. They punted or turned the ball over on five of their next six drives, even extending to their first drive in the second half. Uh, we should mention, I mean, things went a little bit haywire at the end. Uh, DK yeah. Metcalf ended up getting kicked out. Some random defensive back for the Niners as well. Metcalf just completely lost his cool. Feels like that's been brewing for a while now. You know, he's had a couple, a couple of close calls this season and just, you know, went and you know, grabbed the face mask of Fred Warner. Uh, that was after an interception by Drew Locke and was not surprising to see him ejected from that game. I mean, he looks frustrated. They were showing him on the bench throughout the game, just not thrilled uh, with, with, with what's going on with the quarterback play in yep. Seattle. And I mean, the Seahawks were in such a great spot a few weeks ago, and we, we knew this was going to be a gauntlet Rams, Cowboys, Niners, Eagles next week. I mean, they played the Cowboys well in, in week 13, you know, and put up 35, ended up losing that one late. Yeah. I guess you can live with that result. We basically said, you got to win at least one of these. And I don't know how you feel good about their chances to beat Philly this week. I mean, we'll see about Geno Smith's status, but right. I guess you, you do get Philly at home. Not sure that'll really matter. You get the Eagles team that's looking to avenge a loss. Uh, last night, I don't think that's a good spot for Seattle whatsoever. Debo, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, all of them got theirs. Brock Purdy, yeah, like, the the entire offense went off for San Francisco. It felt like they should have scored more than twenty eight. 
Yeah, and that that's why you. I mean, you look at the yardage totals. You're like, how did this not? Go, how did they not go forty here? Yeah. You know exactly. Uh, meanwhile, Drew Locke played okay in the first half. Really kind of devolved in the second half. There, the interceptions were really badly forced balls and all that. Uh, and that led to the DK meltdown too, for that matter. Um, with against Fred Warner, no less. Um, guy you usually don't want to be messing around with, but DK is built differently, so he can mess with whoever he wants to. Except you can't; you get in trouble. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't love their chances against the Eagles, but at least it's home, and Seattle does have a pretty damn good home field advantage. So we'll see about that. Uh, but yeah, uh, not otherwise. There's really not a whole lot of other takeaways from this game. Now, I mean, the last thing I would say, you mentioned the yardage. I mean, 527 yards of offense for San Francisco. I mean, 9.9 yards per play. That would certainly imply more than 28 points, but you, know, you had the yeah. the interception by Purdy, and then just a just kind of a, a careless fumble by Brandon Ayuk. You know, didn't realize there was a defender chasing him down, got a ball, uh, kind of banged out from behind. You know, if that doesn't happen, if the defender misses that tackle or doesn't punch the ball out, that might have been a touchdown for Ayuk, which would have turned this into an even bigger day for mm -hmm. him. Uh, but still went six for 126. You know, caught it was targeted nine times and. I mean, Debo, man, just continues to pick up steam. It's like I, I actually faded Debo this week. I, I went with a, a Purdy Ayuk stack uh, with McCaffrey and another one of my DFS lineups thinking, yeah, two weeks in a row for Debo. I, I think maybe this is the Ayuk week. No. I mean, they, they are they are using Debo uh, about as well as they possibly could right now. And he's also stayed healthy. That's the thing. He's still taking a ton of hits. He's still trucking, you know, two or three guys. It feels like every time he touches the ball and you're always holding your breath saying, man, please, please jump up right away. Uh, and he yeah. has. I mean, it, when, when he's healthy and this team is rolling, I mean, they – they very, very clearly to me look like the best team in football. And you know, maybe you could argue Dallas right now. I, I still think that's a matchup that San Francisco is not scared of. I, I, I'd agree with that. Um, and especially if it's in San Francisco, if it goes to Dallas, then we'll see. But uh, yeah, right now, I mean, the Niners are, are supremely confident and they're healthy and that's a good combination to have. Let's hit up the, the East coast rain games. But first, before we talk about them splashing around, let's talk about splash sports. Rotowire is proud to partner with Splash Sports for the 2023 fantasy football season. Splash Sports empowers gaming commissioners to earn by creating contests. Commissioners can set up contests, add their style, and enjoy the evolving Splash Sports platform for customized preferences. From daily to season-long contests, Splash Sports caters to various playing styles, such as DFS, Pick X, and Traditional Survivor. And unlike traditional sports books, Splash Sports pits you against friends and family, not the house. Splash goes beyond betting, a space where friends can connect, strategize, and share in the excitement of sports. Rotowire will be running weekly DFS tiers contests on Splash Sports all season. Can you beat the Rotowire experts? Visit rotowire.com slash splash to enter today. All right. Uh, big thanks to uh, Splash for their uh, support and their advertising. Uh, let's talk about Baltimore and the Rams, one of the better games of the day with a sudden ending. Yeah, Tylon Wallace, man, bringing back a, a punt in overtime. Uh, you know, Baltimore got the ball first, couldn't do anything with it. They punt, a uh, quick three and out for the Rams, and, and all of a sudden this game was over. I, I thought maybe some some blocks in the back, at least one I saw, but you know, I'm also fine with no calls in, in kind of a, a scramble you know, situation. Uh, but yeah, I mean, hell of a win for the Ravens. Did not get the cover, uh, but nonetheless, to, to a game that kind of felt like it was going to get away from them at times. We've seen the Ravens come up short in similar yep. situations, uh, you know, several times already this season. And certainly over the last couple of years, uh, you know, it looked like maybe they had an interception late. Uh, Marlon Humphrey did, did not have a great game, but almost came up with a pick in the corner of the end zone. He did not Rams end up scoring to send this to overtime, yeah. uh, but a weird wacky back and forth game. Uh, you know, felt like both teams 
both played well and also didn't play well at the same time. Like the, the Ravens put up 37 points, but it was still kind of a weird game offensively. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, 24 of 43, not overly efficient, did get to 316 yards, did throw three touchdowns. It was a nice revenge game for Odell Beckham, four for 97 and a score. Isaiah likely had his best game as a pro five for 83 and a touchdown and Zay Flowers, despite having a couple key drops in this game, still went six for 60 uh, and a late touchdown as well. But uh, again, big win for Baltimore, big win for our guy, John McKechnie. Uh, I was I was texting with him throughout the afternoon. He was very, very disappointed in how that that Baltimore secondary played, uh, but a really fun back and forth game. And even, even with the Rams losing this man, I mean, tough conditions on the road in Baltimore. I mean, this is a, a team that has kind of rewritten the narrative on its season and, and they have more work to do, uh, but they have a, a very doable schedule over these next couple of weeks, commanders and saints at home and then at the giants before a showdown with San Francisco on week 18. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, so uh, that is very doable for them there. Stafford looked good uh, at times. Um, you know, they, uh, I, I, one of the things that caught my eye too, was, uh, that they, they really, uh, were using Demarcus Robinson a little bit more now two, two out well left with the concussion, but two weeks now in a row now, Robinson has been their number three guy. Uh, Davis Allen, the rookie tight end that was in for Higby, had a touchdown too. He had one bad drop, uh, but otherwise looked pretty decent uh, in this game. Um, I, I was just impressed that, you know, they go into Baltimore and they move the ball up and down the field. Yeah, exactly. And again, in in bad conditions on the road against a very, very good defense. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Matthew Stafford has kind of settled into a groove these last few weeks. I mean, he was really banged up midseason. I felt like he was starting to slip a little bit, but Made some really, really nice throws down the field to Cooper Cup, who kind of got back on track this week, yep. eight for 115 and a touchdown. He had two huge receptions late to set up that game time field goal for the Rams. Puka Nakua didn't get in the end zone, but five for 84, had one long one as well on eight targets. Uh, they're, they're, you know, even, was it Davis Allen, this like random backup tight end? Yeah. Uh, filling in for Tyler Higby. He had a couple long receptions in this game, four for 50 and a score. Uh, yeah, the, the Rams are a dangerous team, man. They, they, they actually feel like they should be better they had six and seven. I mean, you look back and that, you know, they had the Brett Rippon loss to the Packers, which you kind of have to throw out uh, losing that game to the Steelers uh, mid season. That's one that they're going to, to rue a little bit. I mean, they even yeah. played the Bengals tough early in the year, lost that game, but um, they to me are, are a, a more dangerous team than some of these other hangers on uh, in the NFC. Playoff race. You know, like the, the Rams versus a team like the Falcons or even the saints or you know Minnesota to me. Uh, like if I am, if I'm Detroit or, uh, even a team like Dallas or Philly, whoever gets that two seed, it's like I would much rather play the Vikings or, or any of those NFC South teams than the Rams. Yeah, I mean Rams and Seattle. I mean Rams have gotten the better of them both times, so that's huge to have that tiebreaker. But those are the two teams, at least that you think like, okay, they could give us a game. They yeah. could make it entertaining. Uh, whereas like, no one really wants to see like, well, I don't know, maybe some some people want to see but I, and and of course i think the packers the way they are right now too i think they're they're a team that i think people wouldn't mind seeing in the playoffs too so those are the three teams uh, of those two i would like two of those three teams to kind of make those last two wild card spots in the nfc just from an entertainment perspective um so we'll, we'll, we'll see about that uh lamar jackson had an incredible game against a, a pretty good opponent here 316 passing yards they needed every bit of that plus the 70 rushing yards monster fantasy day for him Monster, monster fantasy day for Lamar. Uh, I think in, in ESPN leagues, he was you know up over 30 points. I actually felt like he, he left some rushing yards on the table. There were a few yeah. times where he was you know kind of scrambling to the edge, looked like he could have picked up you know maybe five to seven yards and would, would just kind of throw the ball away or, or throw into coverage. I you know, wasn't really looking to, to, to run the ball quite as much as you'd normally expect 
for Lamar. I mean, 11 carries, uh, the way this game played out with overtime felt a little bit low. Keaton Mitchell, nine for 54, you know, not, not going to go down as a banner day for him, but did rip off one long play. You know, you still see the upside with him. Yeah. Gus Edwards, six for 15. Um, but yeah, again, not much else to say here. Big win for Baltimore. They're at Jacksonville on Sunday night. Uh, that, that's a, pr- a pretty good spot for them with how the Jags look right now. Uh, but tough schedule over these next couple of weeks. They go to San Francisco and then home for Miami in week 17 before finishing out with Pittsburgh. Yeah, a uh, lot, lot of important games. Them and Dallas both have really uh, t- kind of noteworthy schedules the rest of the way. Uh, and meanwhile, the Rams, I mean, they get the Commanders uh, next week. So that, 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 that sets up pretty well for them. So we'll mm-hmm. see about that. Uh, let's move on. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the other rain game, uh, Jets and the Texans. You know, oh, and it's kind of funny, by the way. Uh, there's the emphasis was on a lot of it, like the ch- the chatter this weekend was like, let's avoid these rain games. It's not rain in and of itself isn't bad, but once combined with wind or a certain mm-hmm. amount of volume, then you have to be concerned about it. But both these games, at least in the can- case of the Rams and Ravens, plenty of offense. There wasn't plenty of offense in Houston and and the Jets, at least in the first half, where it was zero zero at halftime. Uh, but then Zach Wilson happened. Nick, at one point in time, Joe Flacco and Zach Wilson were your passing yards leader, uh, both over 300 yards. I had a tweet about that, that somehow it was just this innocuous, stupid little tweet that's gotten like tons of reaction. It wasn't even meant for like engagement and it's gotten it. It's kind of funny. Well, that, that's Zach Wilson for you, man. I thought yeah. this was going to be a potential disaster spot for him, not necessarily because of the Houston defense, but just the fact that, you know, the way things were trending, right? It's like, didn't he, he didn't even want to start this game. They had to talk him into it. And, you know, it just kind of seems like that relationship has, has completely soured. And then, like, what were the chances that Zach Wilson comes out with what I would say was the best game of his entire career? Yeah. Despite the fact that, that neither team even scored in the first half. I and mean, this was 0-0 at the half. We went 11 for 11 uh, on punts for the first 11 drives of the game. And, and then Zach Wilson looked like a different guy to me in the second half. I mean, 37 yeah. or excuse me, 27 of 36 for 301, two touchdowns. He, he did turn it over once on a fumble but no picks. I had a great connection with Garrett Wilson, nine for 108 on 14 targets. Brees Hall, eight for 86 and a touchdown on the ground. And this is not one of those games where Brees Hall had like a 77 yard screen pass. I mean, those were, these were all like kind of, you know, semi chunk plays for Brees Hall in big spots. Uh, You know, Houston just could not get anything, anything going whatsoever. I was on the Texans side of this. I thought, you know, yeah, you take, take Dell away. That worries me. But I, I still thought, you know, the Jets defense was maybe a little bit overrated as far as, you know, their ability to, to generate turnovers and things like that. Stroud didn't turn the ball over, but he went 10 of 23 for 91 yards. I mean, they, they very much missed Tank Dell, but it's hard to look back and say that that was the primary difference. I mean, Nico Collins, one catch on one target for the day. CJ Stroud sacked four times before exiting. Uh, like we said earlier in the pod, I mean, if, I'm sure you've seen the highlight by now or the low lights. Yeah. Uh, you know, banging his head on the turf. He's in concussion protocol. Hopefully he'll be good to go this week. They're at Tennessee. If not, if, if this has to be a Davis Mills start, I mean, that that gets extremely, extremely dicey for the Houston Texans, who I don't think they had to win out, but they probably got to go three and one to feel good about their spot uh, in the AFC playoffs the rest of the way, especially with a team like Cincinnati all of a sudden throwing a tat into the mix in a very real way. Uh, they do get the Titans again in week 17, assuming Stroud's back for that one. You feel good about it at the Colts in week 18. Who knows? That's that's just kind of how it goes against the Colts. I, I right. believe they've already beaten the Texans earlier this season. Uh, so that's a big one for tiebreaker purposes. Uh, and then in two weeks, they get the Browns um, you know, on, on, on Christmas Eve. I would guess that C.J. Stroud is back for that game if he misses week 15. But that's that's not an easy one, you know, especially with Dell done for the year. Yeah. Th- 
Yeah, Stroud's status is going to be huge going into this, but they also Collins got hurt in the first quarter of that game too with okay. the calf strain. Um, and you know how calf injuries are. Um, as a Bengals fan, I'm a, in Joe Burrow, I'm acutely aware of how calf injuries can go. So I wouldn't. I would be surprised if he, Collins plays this week. So they could be down their top two receivers, and your top targets now are Brevin Jordan. Uh, in you know, as Schultz is still out, perhaps too with his hammy. Yep. We'll see. It could be Brevin Jordan, Noah Brown, and John Mechie. It could be your top targets. Mechie had five targets, only one catch. You know, Woods had one catch for minus two. Noah Brown got shut out on five targets. It was just ugly all around. I mean, the Texans had four plays that went for double digit yardage. That's the entire game. Yeah. Four plays. This is what we thought the Texans offense was, by the way. Right. You know, remember in the preseason when the Pats smacked him around that preseason game and Stroud looked terrible and we're like, oh boy, this is going to be a tough year for him. No, it was Bryce Young that had the tough year and Stroud has been the revelation until this happened. But uh, anyways, Uh, and then Bryce Hall having the game he did on people's benches, including this guy in one league. Um, I benched him in favor of Keaton Mitchell in a league and shame on me for that. But uh, Hall missed two practices and was limited on Friday. He was questionable going into this game. He had had so many of those like 11 carries for 12 yard games. And you're like, ah, I don't, you know, I can't trust him right now. So of course he goes off for 80 receiving yards and a touchdown. Of course. Yeah. And you know, to be fair on the ground, it was just another typical game from him 10 for 40. Yeah. Uh, Jets really couldn't do anything against that, that Houston defense, but it doesn't matter. I guess what Zach Wilson is throwing for 300 plus yards. Uh, You know, I, I mentioned those four quote unquote big plays for the Houston offense. Those four plays accounted for well over half of their total offense on the day. I mean, 135 yards of total offense for Houston on 52 plays. That is 2.6 yards per play. They were one of 15 on third and fourth down. Uh, So just, I mean, a top-down disaster. It really could not have gone worse for Houston, you know, throwing the the Collins and Stroud injuries on top of it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, uh, uh, yeah, it's just, they're in a a bad way. And, you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, how they lost a key offensive lineman. I think the pressure is just getting to Stroud a lot more readily than it has. I think all these offensive line injuries are finally like, it's like chickens coming home to roost. Finally, it's, mm-hmm. it's finally uh, affected everything and how they're running their offense. Now they'll, they'll face a Titans team that, you know, is, doesn't have Jeffrey Simmons tonight when they uh, playing against Miami, they might not have Simmons next week and the mm-hmm. Titans have been a pass funnel. So if they get Stroud back, it could still be okay, but we'll see, but they need either Collins or Schultz to come back. I think, uh, but because otherwise they're just they're just worn down there too, so we'll see. Uh, let's finish up before we finish up with Chicago Detroit first. Uh, we're on the Blue Wire Network. Here are their ads. This Rotowire podcast is brought to you by my favorite meal kit, Factor. I gave Factor a try, and I can tell you firsthand, eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every meal arrives fresh, not frozen, and they're chef-crafted, dietitian-approved and ready to go in just two minutes. Every week, you'll have over 35 different options to choose from, and there's something for every diet, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto, and there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after those wellness goals. One of my favorite things about Factor is the convenience. We're talking meals that are good to go in two minutes or less. You could fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals, They're ready to heat and eat wherever you are. There's no prep. There's no mess, no cooking, no cleanup, none of that. It's perfect if you have a busy lifestyle and you can't dedicate an hour plus each day to preparing lunch or preparing dinner. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Factor also offers options for every meal. 
pancakes, smoothies, you name it. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, dinner, whatever you need, Factor has it. Factor is also tailored to your schedule, so you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals each week. Plus, you could pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. We've run the numbers over here. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be both nutritious and delicious. Head over to factormeals.com slash rotowire50 and use the code rotowire50. That'll get you 50% off your order. That's code rotowire50 at factormeals.com slash rotowire50 to get 50% off today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Thank you for your indulgence as far as uh, with uh, Blue R Network. We love being on them, but uh, thank you for your indulgence with us putting their ads in there. Uh, let's finish off with, uh, you know, one of the better games. Uh, if you're a Bears fan, a bet, you know, Justin Fields fan, if you're a Justin Fields fantasy owner, finally, you're starting to see some of this uh, promise coming through. Yeah, really interesting one as far as the Circa Billion contest is concerned, because this line locked at three, Lions minus three on the road. Mm-hmm. And so each week, Circa, you know, they, they put out all these like cool metrics, you know, for the contest if you want to follow along, whether you're playing or not. Yeah. And they each week they do the five most popular selections. You, know, you got to pick five games each week against the spread. Both the Lions and the Bears were included in the top three. That's amazing. So the, you, you had kind of almost a perfectly even split as far as a lot of people thinking Detroit was winning this game and covering three, and an equal number of people thinking Chicago was going to cover three. Uh, and you know, obviously, some thought they would win outright. Twenty-eight to thirteen, man. I mean. All of our concerns about the Lions over these last couple of weeks, which for me have just built and built and built. Yep. I mean, this is this is the alarm game of all alarm games, right? Um, yeah, I mean, two interceptions for Jared Goff, uh, just sloppy play all around for Detroit. You, know, you give up a touchdown at a play where you jump offside uh, and, and then somehow like completely lose DJ Moore for what was a relatively easy pitch and catch uh, from Justin Fields. You know, first, or first drive of the game, Chicago gets the ball first, goes right down the field, really was never in any trouble situations at all. They, they faced one third down and picked up 13 yards on that third down. And, and to me, that that completely set the tone. You know, Detroit ended up going down 10 nothing. got a big stop. Uh, you know, I think on like the third or fourth drive of the game for Chicago. Uh, they went for it on a fourth and one. It was stuffed. You're thinking, all right, maybe, maybe this is what turns the tide for the Detroit Lions. They end up getting a touchdown on the next play. They actually led this game at halftime, 13 to 10, and just completely collapsed. Could not do anything offensively in the second half started the second half with three straight three and outs then lost a fumble and then went out on downs twice in a row and and, and what felt like desperation situations like I, I get it I, I know Dan Campbell likes to roll the dice but I, I don't know I don't love going for it on your own 
30 yard line with you know over 12 minutes left in the game when you're only down 12 and you yeah. actually just completed a very similar comeback against the same team a couple of weeks ago. And you know, that decision, not getting it on, on fourth down to me, that, that kind of sealed it up, you know, and Chicago was able to, to extend the lead on the next drive. And, and that was kind of that. Um, but yeah, Detroit, I mean, still in position, obviously in the NFC North, but if you're a Lions fan, I mean, think of, think of how you felt about this team a couple of weeks ago, you know, after that big, that big back and forth win against the chargers, you, know, you come back, you beat the bears, you're, you're sitting pretty. I mean, does anybody in Detroit think this team has any chance to make the super bowl right now? I don't, I don't know how you could. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I share your, uh, pessimism there. Uh, just looking at the drive chart too, in the, the second half, just looking at, uh, the, the, all the plays, uh, that we we've seen, uh, you know, and granted the, the golf fumble was a killer too. Yeah. I mean, that was one thing, but David Montgomery got the, got a carry on the second play of the, of the third quarter. We didn't see him get another touch until I think deep into the fourth quarter. Uh, they just, they they went away from him and he was averaging like six yards a carry. Gibbs was averaging six yards a carry. They, they just forgot about what, and they weren't that far behind. They just, but they, they played themselves into it. They, they went away from what worked. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I, similar in some ways to, I think what we saw for Buffalo and obviously it worked out better for the bills than it did Detroit. Montgomery only played 23 snaps. I mean, this was a very Jameer Gibbs heavy game um, yep. partially because the lines were trailing and you know we're, we're in more throwing situations in the second half, but uh, yeah, 41 to 23 was the snap split. For those two backs, that's not really been the case much earlier this season. And Detroit, you know, I think we have to start looking at them, you know, unless they're playing at home against a bad defense. I mean, this is one of those teams where you throw in the cliche basket of they're they're maybe not built to come back from behind. Like they, they can yeah. generate explosive plays. We've seen it this season. But I mean, they to me are, are just a disaster. If they go down two scores, it feels like the coaching staff panics, the quarterback panics, the entire offense just kind of loses its shape. And you know, when, yeah. when, when they can dictate pace, when they can just pound David Montgomery and mix in Jameer Gibbs, they're a great team. We, we've seen it plenty this season, but yeah, when they go down, even against a team like Chicago, it's just, everything goes haywire. Yeah, it does. It really does. I mean, they, they've got the benefit of still having a two game lead in the division, no matter what happens with the Packers tonight. So they've got that going for them. They're likely going to be host, you know, they're hosting a playoff game, which yeah. hey, that, that that's, that's still pretty darn good, but yeah, there's a lot of worry signs here. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown had a fantasy dud of a game. Jared Goff has just not been playing well lately, too. I mean, that it all stems from Jared Goff, I think. Yeah. Last thing I'll say on this game is we did get our first, I believe, first time all season that Foreman, Roshan Johnson, and Herbert have all been healthy for the same game. And you have to consider that there was a decent amount of quote-unquote garbage time in the fourth quarter. Although, you know, when you're the Bears, like, no lead is really safe. But Deontay Foreman, 39 snaps, 11 carries in those 39 snaps, 20 for Roshan Johnson and just 12 snaps for Khalil Herbert. Yeah. And, but, uh, and Johnson though, too, like they only had one carry, you know, yeah. they, they just, they didn't need him. And like against the Vikings, the, you know, the Vikings, like the blitz a lot, Jim Coventry was writing about this, that they needed him for blitz pickup. Well, yeah. they didn't need that today, I guess. Uh, so, or yesterday I should say. So yeah, it's just, it was weird. And I, I will say, um, it's still an insane trade to give away your second round draft pick, which is an early second round pick for Montez sweat when he's going to be a free agent. But adding him to that defense made that has transformed that defense. That defense is this Bears defense has quietly been pretty good for a while now. 
the run defense especially has been good. And, you know, Detroit was up, up close to six yards per carry. So perhaps that wasn't really the case when you dig into, you know, some of the deeper numbers in this one. But, yeah, it's it's no longer a defense that you, you know, consider just a complete pushover, right? I mean, it, it, yeah. it seems crazy that the Kansas City Chiefs somehow scored 41 points on this team earlier this season. But Kansas City can't put 41 on anybody right, right. now. And, and, yeah, the Bears defense continues to pick up steam. You know, had that, that you know, game against Carolina where they held them to 13 didn't feel like it really meant anything at the time, but to me, that's kind of that's kind of when the tide started to turn. They started to play better, you know. Even in that loss to Detroit, they were the better team for like eighty five percent of that game. Yep. Uh, you know, they held held Minnesota to ten points last week. Again, can't put too much stock into that, considering Minnesota just put up three points this past yeah. week. Uh, but it, yeah, your point stands nonetheless. I mean, this is a it, it's not a I would say it's like a, a good defense, but it's at least an average defense overall, considering the personnel. Right. And you know, fascinating matchup now. Uh, in week 15, where they go to Cleveland, uh, you know, yeah. a Browns team that seems to have found something under Joe Flacco. They're playing with some more confidence. I think the team, you know, is just happy to have somebody who they know is going to be there week to week and not go through this song and dance of, is it going to be this guy or this guy? Um, you know, can they slow down Cleveland, you know, a team that personnel wise should have some advantages there, but I, I think that could be a kind of a dicey spot for the Browns. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I hope so. Uh, as a, Self-interested Bengals fan here, but uh, absolutely. But uh, we'll conclude on that note. Uh, good luck to everybody who's got irons in the fire with the two Monday night football games tonight. Um, and then we'll, we'll be doing a double barreled chances to win, actually, because they start at the same time. So we should get some good call volume as far as that goes on the Sirius XM show. Of course, lock it in tomorrow for uh, Jake and Joe talking about free agents and all things about week 15 as they start to take a look at week 15. Thanks everybody for listening to Rotowire. Go check out our content at Rotowire. Get a free trial going to rotowire.com slash pod. Uh, when you're there, if you are into, you know, prize picks or underdog or any of those platforms, go to rotowire.com slash picks. We got a new tool we're uh, unveiling. We're really happy with it. So hopefully you can use it and uh, profit from that there. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.